This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 187 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands on Gloves, the all-in-one shedding, bathing, grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have some new friends and old friends. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie. How how was June? June? I was busier than a bride in June. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. So if you're, listening, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast in 2025, just go to your Google and look up COVID-19, and you'll understand yeah. <laughs> where we're coming from here. But everybody was in breakout. Everybody June. was in breakout. Monty is stateside. And this is the first time he's been stateside for any extended period of time for years. So he's been going nonstop to different things. Plus, he's doing all of the training and demos at the farm, plus all the other stuff. And you're kind of in charge of wrangling all of this. <laughs> Maybe that's a way to say it. Yeah, exactly. But it was so much fun. I mean, it was such pent up energy. Who can complain? It's like our batteries were overcharged, right? <laughs> we needed to, we need to expend some of that energy, but we probably shouldn't have put it all in one month. <laughs> wow, it that was, was crazy. It was a little crazy. And to top it off with the movement on the tail end of it, well, actually, kind of true, kind of not true. It was two-thirds of the way through, and we're topping it off. As we speak tomorrow, I go into the Horsensen Healing Clinic for um, it's, it's July 2, 3, and 4, which everybody knows what the 4th of July is. Really fun. It's a great way to do our veterans on the 4th of July. But by the time you hear this, I will be sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Much deserved rest. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But I'm I'm really excited that we have back on Katie Whipple. Um, that's a that's a quick whip around Whipple because we had her on to talk about the interning that she did here for the transition horse program, our Monty Monty Roberts Mustang and Transition Horse Program. She is an amazing horsewoman, but she also wanted to come back. I I begged her to come back to talk about the qualities of horses that got her through a postpartum episode. And uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. So stay tuned for that. And then we had to have Jamie Jennings on to talk about all that she's been doing with Transition Horses too. It's our theme, I think, in this episode. But her her work in Transition Horses has not only led her to be a trainer of the year for the ASPCA's Right Horse Initiative training program, the adoption program, but also it led her to her first big time clinic up in North Dakota. And guess where we all met up in June? We met up in Minot, why not, um, in North Dakota. If you're going to go to North Dakota, maybe June's the safest month. I think so. We threaded a needle there. (laughs) You you know, but doesn't it make, I mean, North Dakota, it's not South Dakota, it's North Dakota. That's pretty darn close to Canada. So what do you think I'm going to put in my suitcase? I think I'm putting in a few layers, you know. It might be kind of chilly for me. I'm pretty thin Sweater, blood. please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 107 on the first evening I arrived. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh crazy. Yeah. But all I had to do was, you know, uh, wave my 
my brochure back and forth and stay cool. Jamie was out working it with Thurbred she'd never met before. You got to hear this. It's an incredible story. It's going to be great stories. And we are going to get to those stories right after we hear from our title sponsor, Hands on Gloves. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of Hands on Gloves. And we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, but across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin skin horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, We have professional grooms that work from us. Um, They groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, Mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. Oh, (laughs) interesting. They're tickling the the horses and went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Uh And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, You can throw them in the washing machine. Um, Just don't put them in the dryer. And um, just throw them in the washing machine hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. A lifelong horse person, Katie Whipple has been specifically involved in equine welfare since 2017. Katie has recently begun to use her experience at Days Inn Farm Horse Rescue, a right horse partner, to further her career in equine welfare. Here, she'll be focusing on engaging supporters, facilitating the development team, and furthering the overall mission of the organization to rescue and rehabilitate suffering horses and to prevent abuse and neglect through education and community outreach. Well, welcome, Katie Whipple. It's good to have you back so soon. We we didn't get to talk enough, did we? No, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me back again. I miss California. I bet you do. I, you know, I I know that you had so much fun here, and it's kind of like a kid in a candy store when when moms get out of the house and and get to go play with horses. So we won't make people too jealous, but we'll have to talk a little bit about that internship program. But I wanted to have you back because you are um, you're very vulnerable and honest and transparent, as most horse girls that are really good with their horses are. And I appreciate some of the stories that you shared with us. Training here as an intern, you began working with people who are coming here to work with horses. And so that makes you vulnerable right right there, I think, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
absolutely. Yeah, I was um, lucky enough to be part of a, your horse sense and healing my last weekend there and um, the vulnerability that those brave people showed was really touching and the transformations uh, just within the, you know, two and a half days that they were with us. Uh, it was just incredible. Mm-hmm. What an honor to be part of that. Thank you. Yeah, we feel honored every time we have one of those about six times a year. I hope we can we can even expand that. Um, mm-hmm. COVID has kind of kept us a little retracted, but not not our goals anyway. But but um, <laughs> tell you know I know that you um, you came out here to continue your education in order to continue your work in equine welfare, which you have a lot of experience. We we already described your bio here, but um, you're you're doing something that's pretty darn brave. But a lot of horsewomen uh, lose track of kind of horses when kids come around, right? You know, a lot of people find it very difficult to have a family and to be as heavily involved in horses as you are. Um, But I want you to share with us, if you will, a little bit about your experience of that postpartum moment when you found that you were struggling, you were not happy, and you needed something to change. Sure. So um, as we discussed briefly in, in the previous time I was on your podcast, I am the mother of two children, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, my postpartum time after my eight-year-old was uh, pretty standard by the book. I, you know, I had a little quote-unquote baby blues, but they passed quickly. I was able to overcome them. Okay, so when my five-year-old was born in 2015, um, I started struggling a little bit more. And about three months postpartum, I felt in my gut that it was different from my first child. And I was having a lot of dark, very painful images and thoughts in my head. And my family has a history of uh, mental health issues. I actually uh, lost my brother. He completed suicide back in 2009. So I'm very cognizant of those things. And I just, I knew that something was wrong and that it was bigger than I could manage by myself. So I started off reaching out to a, a, a doctor who specialized in postpartum issues. And I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. And I tried some pharmaceuticals and they helped a little bit. Um, my husband and my family, they were amazing, incredibly supportive. Uh, we were lucky enough, we, while we were waiting for the medications to kick in, we went to Florida. We, went, we took the kids to Disney for a week. <laughs> and that was a distraction. And it's a very privileged thing that we were able to do that. I understand that. But it was a distraction in order for the medication to start kicking in to kind of help keep me safe. Sure. Um, and then as time went on, I started to feel better. So I came off the meds. And I was okay for a little bit. And then in late 2016, early 2017, I started to crumble again. Mm -hmm. And even though at that point, I don't think it would be considered postpartum because my kid was, she was over one by then. It was linked. I was having the same dark feelings, the same lack of Mm -hmm. self-worth, my brain was telling me things that I logically knew were 
not true that, you know, I was needed. I was loved. I was worthy of this life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that part of my brain was telling me other things. And it's really hard to not believe it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went back um, and found a therapist and she helped me realize that I needed to make some kind of change. Okay. And she said, well, in the time before kids, what made you happy? Mm. And I said, well, in the time before kids, I was involved with horses and I was involved in animal rescue. And she said, well, let's try to marry those two things. Mm. Could you find a couple hours a month to go and volunteer at a horse rescue? And at that time, you know, my kids were four and one at that time. And the idea of having mm. a couple hours to do to, to not be a parent was kind of foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it seems stereotypical, but I did. I lost myself in the parenting. Sure. And, you know, and that's not a bad thing. And I think it happens to a lot of people. But for me individually, it, you know, it went to the other side of the extreme and I wasn't mm-hmm. in a healthy place. So I found a local horse rescue and I went and met the director and I said, okay, I'll come by for a couple hours once a month. Well, Debbie, I went there once and then I was there every week after that Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the next few months. And then um, I got more and more involved. I got involved with their social media. I was invited to their board of directors Mm. and um, it just kind of snowballed. And while I was there, I was able to connect with one particular horse Mm. and I really credit him with saving my life or turning my life around because I was in a really bad way one day and I was having some really awful thoughts and I was driving past the barn doing some errand and I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop it and I'm just going to give him a carrot. And I did. And I woke up the next morning Mm. and I did it all again and just, the experience of just sitting there with him and giving him a care, giving him a pat on the head and just being there with Mm -hmm. him in that vulnerable state, you know, the horses, they, they see that state, they understand it and they reciprocate warmth and understanding and value. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're part of their herd. You have value. Mm -hmm. Um, What's his name? What was, what was this particular horse's name? His name was Ukiah, is Ukiah. He's he's still around, yeah. He's still Um, there. So you're saying it was more about the horse, but but it sounded like community also flipped a switch for you, too. um, Absolutely. Yep. So tell me a little bit about maybe this environment of of having horses in an environment is also helpful to people. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's the herd mentality and... Um, you know, horse people, I think, who are all the similar mindset in terms of training and or discipline or how they view the horse's role in our lives, we create our own little herds, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's in a rescue or in a volunteer group or on a show team, you know, we're all our little herds and the horses are part of that. Um, and I think that having that outlet, that did more for me than any of the pharmaceuticals. Um, And that's not to put down pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals are still helping me. I am on the pharmaceutical to help with this. 
Um, you know, there's, but the horses are a huge part of why I'm okay now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really big reason why I have dedicated my career to equine welfare at this point. Like this is where I want to be because they have helped me so much mm-hmm. and they've helped my family, right? My kids right. have a mother. My husband has a partner. I have a life, that's right. um, a very lovely life. Um, and if not for them, then the chemical imbalances in my brain mm-hmm. may have, we may have been in a very different place. Mm-hmm. A lot of people these days hear about horse therapy and horse qualities. And, and you know, we even have an event here called The Movement, which we're trying to capture what it is that people are finding about horses that go off into their vocations or their lives or their mother mothering or their maybe their teachers. A lot of people can't always put their thumb on what it is about horses that t- stir the insides, you know, that relax us. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what do you explain about horses to people who maybe are a little arm's length to it? Yeah, I think it's really tied deeply to the vulnerability. Uh, we are prey animals working with, we're predator animals, excuse me, working with prey animals. And right. think of all the things that we ask them to do and if I may use Monty's words and we find a way to cause them to do it willingly Mm -hmm. and I think that the vulnerability and their willingness to join up with us and partner with us and do those scary things walk through a puddle walk over a tarp Mm -hmm. uh, be in the same space as somebody who is depressed or anxious or Mm -hmm. has PTSI Mm -hmm. They have this incredible ability to look through that vulnerability and show strength and show camaraderie in a way that I, I personally haven't found with any other animals. And I've worked with other rescue animals. I've worked with dogs and cats and reptiles and Mm -hmm. they're all wonderful. I love my other animals, but the horse has an innate ability to reflect strength Mm. I think and Mm -hmm. use their vulnerability and your vulnerability and say okay well yeah we're both vulnerable but let's see how we can work through this together Mm. Um, beautiful yeah and it seems like the the welfare of them the fact that you're actually reaching those that are the most vulnerable this isn't the bubble wrapped dressage high-end performance source you're you're often dealing with those that have not had a fair shake in life do you think that purpose helps give you a focus absolutely because i the the same way that ukiah and my current horse Krim, he serves the same purpose for me they see my vulnerability and they shore me up so with the horses that i now i'm lucky to to work with who have been hurt maybe at the hands of humans Mm -hmm. by helping them realize that it's okay to be vulnerable. You're not going to be hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. Let me show you that you're safe, that, you know, we're not going to, we're going to feed you. We're going to give you water. We're going to give you shelter. We're going to trim your feet, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Being able to provide that sense of safety is as much a therapeutic for me as it is, 
a physical therapeutic and an emotional therapeutic force. It's equine welfare has as much impact on the people doing it as on the horses. Yeah. I hope those listeners are getting that in their hearts, too. I love that you brought up PTSI, too. Some people might not know the acronym that we use, but uh, post-traumatic stress injury, which means yeah. that if it's an injury, right, it's yeah. not it's not something you're, oh. you're slated to die with. You can actually recover from this. And and I know for our veterans and our first responders, that's kind of a light bulb moment of, oh, you know, I don't like to wear this label any more than anybody else does. So maybe I can shake it, you know, and and I, yeah. and I yeah, I wondered if that was new to you, too, when you first came here for that. It was. And I definitely had a light bulb moment. Like I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it now when Monty described that, because I know a lot of people who struggle with post-traumatic stress. You know, I do. Many in my family do because of losing my brother. Mm-hmm. And the idea of it being labeled a disorder is really uh, limiting mm-hmm. to somebody because a disorder is something that you're is is a permanent part of you. Uh, so labeling it an injury automatically just lifts some of that weight, I think, and says, yes, this is something that can be healed. It doesn't mean it's not going to be a lot of work to do so. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be hard, and there's going to be times where it feels like you're not going to heal, but it's still an injury and you can heal from it. And that way of thinking about it was so freeing in that moment. And I, I felt it in the whole room when Monty was talking mm. about it at, at the horse sense of healing workshop, like just this, it is like we had permission to let go of it, mm-hmm. you know, whether it happens a week from now or a year from now or whatever it may be, we have the ability to let go of it. And I think that is so empowering. That's nice. Thanks. I, horses just do this. They just bring this stuff out in conversations, too. And I think it's surprising to people who are, let's call them laymen, you know, that are not working mm-hmm. around horses all the time. But what are, if you could describe to the listener who really maybe never thought about horses in this way, they're probably interested in horses if they're listening to this show, or maybe they're curious. But uh, what if you, if you had to describe what they could do to start off? I mean, I guess you'd say go volunteer at a rescue. But if there was a little more purposeful step process to do, what would you tell them to do? Sure. So here in Maryland, the first thing I would recommend is to find what we call a horse discovery center. So we have Uh, barns throughout the state who are labeled by our Maryland Horse Industry Board as horse discovery centers, and it's where people could go to discover the Mm, horse. That's cool. And those are, yeah, they're really great starting points for people who maybe, you know, had a pony ride when they were a kid and that's it, or maybe have never seen a horse. Uh, They're really great options because the people there have developed programs for those people who are complete beginners. Um, If somebody is specifically looking for healing, I would suggest a therapeutic barn, although those can be hard to get into. And I think maybe that's not fair to say. I think that it, it depends on the level of vulnerability that the person is Mm -hmm. willing to be. Uh, It takes a lot to say, yes, I need help. Right. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot to say that. 
And even though the people who work at therapeutic barns are wonderfully supportive of those people, they can't help them unless those people are vulnerable and ask for that help. Mm -hmm. Uh, So something like a horse discovery center or a rescue that's looking for volunteers, uh, those would be my first uh, forays. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you could also go on like Facebook events and find a horse show and just Mm -hmm. go and watch and, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. talk to a couple of people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, horse people love to talk about their horses. So if you <laughs> just want to go and start a conversation, then you'll be there for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no opinions here. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and that's, that is a great suggestion, too. Go have some fun with it first before um, yeah. we talk out. I talk about a lot of heavy lifting, but uh, but it is nice to do yeah. that. This is our mission is really to keep horses in people's lives because I'm I'm afraid our society is moving away from large animals and uh, even the vet schools are, you know, a little lost for kids getting into the schools that have a lot of experience with large animals. They don't anymore. You know, they're yeah. a lot of them are coming from the cities and schools that are not um, able to support that. So um, I think it's important. And I think you're saying it's important to keep horses in our lives. And it's that if we can mm-hmm. keep drilling down on what that quality is about horses that help us so so much therapeutically or even just recreationally, then maybe people yeah. will see the importance and and find a way to afford. You know, it's not cheap to yeah. keep horses, but it's afford. Cheap, no. But it's also not cheap to have a bunch of therapists. So there you go. Well, that, that's what I told my husband. I was like, we can either have a horse or I can spend thousands of dollars a month on therapy. Which one do you want? <laughs> That's a great question. I like that. What's he going to say? <laughs> yeah, he chose no. the horse. <laughs> he, chose, he chose wisely, Katie Whipple. Yeah, yeah and I agree. I, I'm so glad that you shared this with it. I'm sure it'll touch lives and it'll continue because it's a podcast. It'll continue to touch lives. But I would love to have you back as as we learn more about your new foray into this new at Day's End Farm Horse Rescue and, and um, more about the right horse partners and the mission statement that you're doing. And uh, boy, I could see you becoming a certified instructor. I hope you will pursue it. Oh, I've got plans, Debbie. I'm hoping. Good girl. <laughs> Good girl. It's all about just putting one foot in front of the other. And yep. I know you I've, can do it. Yeah. Yeah. We put it out into the universe. We just got to put all the pieces in place. So hopefully. Good girl. Good girl. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being on Horsemanship Radio. And I'd love to have you back. Anytime. Thanks so much, Debbie. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Jamie Jennings was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Jamie has lived all over the country as a military wife, and she had been training horses and people for years. When the summer of 2018, she studied with Monty Roberts and received her certification to become his instructor. 
Jamie and her husband, Chad, own Flyover Farm in Norman, Oklahoma, since 2018. And she has one son, Lucas. Jamie competes in the sport of three-day eventing and has competed all over the country. Her favorite thing is transitioning horses off the racetrack to their second careers. And she also has a deep love for gentling Mustangs. Jamie is a host of Retired Racehorse Radio. And Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Well, welcome back, Jamie Jennings. I'm so excited to have you back on. How are I you? haven't seen you in like four days, so yeah, I've started to miss you. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. Did you have, I mean, I know you worked your little tush off, four demos a day over three days, and we'll talk about the results in a second because those are shout worthy, but did you enjoy yourself or was it just like comatose at the end? You know, I, I had so much fun because I love training horses. It's my favorite thing to do. And, and definitely starting restarting off the track thoroughbreds is my favorite thing to do. And I, I feel like I've been able to, you know, with the 70 plus I've, I've brought through my farm here, I have figured out ways to kind of decode some of the things they're telling, thanks to your dad teaching me all of it. But to, to have all that, that experience to be able to kind of go forth and, and show the world, I guess, you know, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome to be around people again and see all those horses. And I mean, I didn't see any goats or cattle or anything. So it wasn't like a fair. We got to sort of describe this. This is the North Dakota Horse Expo, but they had every kind of horse too. It was fun. Like they were pulling wagons and they were, um, we got fancy feet and we had costuming like gladiators and it was pretty cool. It was awesome. Yeah. There was a little bit of everything, something, something for everybody for sure. Yeah, really fun. And I think everybody appreciated everybody that came out as clinicians, too. So let's set the scene a little bit. You got this vacuous, very current looking, very new building up there, by the way, in Minot. Why not? And it was beautifully laid out. You picked me up at the airport. I appreciate that. I so appreciate that because I later found out going back to the airport that there are no Ubers. Oh, <laughs> <Why> no. <not? laughs> oh, it's no. Okay. We haven't talked since then. Sorry about that. You could have woken me up. I do love the no. fact that you guys, I got to give you a little taste of Debbie here. Um, she <laughs> arrived and she thought it was pronounced. It's my not. She thought it was me. No. <laughs> it's like. Honey, this is North Dakota. It's yeah. my not. Why not my not? <laughs> Why not my not? She teaches me. So, yeah, uh, there happens to be an Air Force base there. So that's how you knew. Come on. Yes. You, know, you would have yes. called them a no, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really nice of you to do that, though. And by the way, I paid the, you know, the little chef at the restaurant there. I paid her 20 bucks. She took me and I tipped her 10. It was great. It was worth oh, every Hey, Oh, my gosh. You should have woken me up. Well, no, sorry that happened. No, but not going to do that. It was but, just awesome to have you there and to to make me look professional and and get the banner and we had the table and we showed the a lot of people what the dually halter is and how long lining is fun and and I really feel like we reached some people. It was interesting to see that so many of the same people came to every one of my clinics, yeah. which was really cool. Like I didn't irritate them in five minutes, no. so they actually came back. <laughs> No, they were learning so much, Jamie. So here's the thing. You just sort of broke your maiden. That's, you know, retired racehorse talk now. They're <laughs> saying the first time you were really kind of, you were the big headlining clinician there on the posters and, and everything. It was really cool. And the best part is for you, I think, is that people did listen. They were paying attention as opposed to owners who might go, yeah, divide by two, right? But they really wanted to know. They were thirsty for the, for the, the, 
knowledge and the experience, like you said, 70 horses last year. So we're, we're, we're bragging on you here about how much you do know. But here's the best part. You set out, describe the horses that you were given when you arrived there. You did not bring horses. No, uh, most trainers brought horses there. They're trained horses that they were showing off and then, you know, giving lessons to other people. Um, but I did not have the opportunity to bring horses and they wanted me to restart off the track thoroughbreds as part of one of my demos. Uh, so we found we Casey, uh, who put the whole thing together. Use Bowman Horse Rescue, and it's a rescue that takes off the track thoroughbreds, and they're they're about six hours away from Minot, and and so I said, just bring me the ones that are, are the wild, like the ones you haven't done anything with. Did you, you know? say that? I didn't know you even. I baited her with that. <laughs> well, I she said, well, I've got some ones that we've been riding under saddle, and I was like, no, 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 I don't want those. Yeah, I want the ones yeah. so I can show genuine ways to restart an off the track thoroughbred using join up and using the, the tacking procedure and long lining and, and those kinds of things. So uh, I was fortunate enough to have this organization bring in six horses. Now they were supposed to get there Thursday morning so I could take some time and assess them. They didn't get there till Thursday night. So we're just off and running uh, Friday morning and, and, you know, some of the demos went really well and it turns out horses are horses and they, some of them right. didn't go so well because of what I was trying to explain to people is that these horses, the last time they were somewhere, they went from the racetrack with all of that environment and amped up and excited and, you know, all of, all of that comes along with that to a field and a rescue and then to this expo where, you know, like right outside the realm pin, there's a farrier doing a demo and there's <laughs> another clinician right outside the realm pin doing all their things. So it was a, a big challenge that I ask of these horses to yeah. come and, and, and perform, you know, basically try to get them to speak to me in their language and, uh, and show people what you have and what you can do and, and what certain things mean, you know. Yes, exactly. And you're probably explaining this to an audience that it's pretty far reaching up there in North Dakota that might not have ever heard of join up. They might not have heard that much about, I don't know, you know, that generalization, natural horsemanship or whatever about not using a whip, about not using how big were those rowels on a couple of those guys? Man, those spurs were huge. So, you know, it was it was pretty Western. And you're going in with this tiny little flat saddle and you're pretty different. So for people to listen to that and take it all in is asking a lot. But imagine the horses, right? You know, I think that I, I was very frustrated and, and we're on horsemanship radio so I can I can describe it. We I was very frustrated to see some of the other horsemanship because it is so different than what I have learned and than what I know. Mm -hmm. So it was tough for me to watch some of them, the ones that were a little more aggressive and those big spur rowels and, you know, a bunch of cowboys walking around with their wranglers and their giant spurs. And, and you know what? That's fine. I, I was just there. To, I was that weird English rider <laughs> with the crazy thoroughbreds. And um, I was pretty proud of, of what I was able to accomplish. Be. You should be. And we haven't even said what the actual results are. But I, I know that, first of all, I get there at, you know, on Thursday later and 
by the time we get in the car and get to someplace, it's 104, 107 mm-hmm. or something in the car. I mean, outside the car, it was crazy hot. So you're asking a lot of those horses to to get on a trailer loose in a stock trailer, yeah. <laughs> these thoroughbreds, just uh, driving on down the road five, six hours and then letting them off, you know, into a, a, a strange place with a lot of other horses that they've never seen. It's a lot to ask. But it is also a lot to ask of you. Four demos a day. I don't even know how how you kept up your stamina. And I was watching. I, I, there was no possible way you could. Was it that you were inspired by all of this or were you just running on adrenaline? You know, aside from the gallon jugs of unsweet iced tea that I drank yeah, <laughs> through the entire thing, I think what inspired me and kept me going was the fact that, you know, I have a new audience every time and Mm -hmm. a new horse. And I want to help that horse and help that audience member the best that I can, you know? So if I mail it in for one, then somebody's going to go away, not knowing anything, or the horse is going to not benefit from the training that it received. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's what really motivated me to keep the energy up and to keep going and through the heat and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody else was, was doing it too. You know, I mean, you were walking around in there and fortunately the round pin and, and one of the big arenas was air conditioned. So that definitely helped a little bit, not, you know, not like you're sitting by the air conditioning in your house, but it definitely helped. (laughs) Yeah. Sitting by the pool, eating bonbons, drinking margaritas. No. Mm -hmm. So I think that was what inspired me was to just do the best I can for the horse and the person who is thirsty for the knowledge that I might be able to, to, to impart a little bit of. Yeah, you did well. You did well. So you've had a big year. I mean, since I don't know when we last interviewed you on here, but you received in the fall a certificate from the Queen of England. Um, excuse me. Yes, that Queen of England. Her yeah, no big deal. I just opened up the mailbox and there's a letter from Buckingham Palace. That's how that works. Uh, it's, just, it's just sitting in the mailbox. Yeah, as they will. Yeah. And and then uh, early in this year of 2021, as we speak, uh, you happen to corral and win the award for trainer of the year after your first year with the ASPCA's program, the right horse initiative. And that was pretty exciting. It was, it was a good year. I don't know what people say. 2020 was awesome. Right. right. <laughs> no, it was great. You know, and it's, it was really cool to walk around and to hear, you know, them talk about somebody over the loudspeaker who got a letter from the queen and was trained of the year and has trained all these horses. I was like, wait, that's me. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, it was it was really cool. But you know, I think I'm you're a mom and you're a wife and you do all that stuff great, so I have to be careful here, but I think your proudest moment was on Sunday when I heard how many of the six horses got adopted out. Tell us about that. Well, that was the thing was that these horses were coming and we're like, oh, let's use some some adoptable horses and see if we can get one adopted. Five out of the six went to new homes that weekend. Mm. And it was so fun loading them in the trailer. And they, they just every one of them was like, OK, let's go. They get, like nothing had happened, like no big deal. So it was really, really special to help five horses find new homes just because of the the demo and the environment and all the people that were there. And it was really fun. I, I think, too, one of the, the prouder moments that I had was I was that weird English writer and I had to do a demo on how to introduce dressage and, and show jumping. 
And right. we had an awesome Morgan who brought, she worked for the rescue. I was like, you're going to ride because, you know, the people aren't banging on the walls to learn how to jump. So we started uh, an off the track thoroughbred over fences. And by the end, she was jumping two and a half feet through a grid. Like, I mean, like she'd been doing it her whole life. And then we had also um, a wonderful participant come in and be a part of that as well. So it was really, really cool to see these guys reach their goals and, and exceed their goals, you know? Yeah. And then, after that mare pops through there like that, actually at the end of the lesson, this guy goes, I want that one. (laughs) And he followed her back to the barn and had it, his application filled out and everything in like the next minute. I mean, he was like, I'm taking that horse home. Not losing that one. Ah, that's so cool. It was so cool to see their little brains going. And even Mark Morgan's eyes were big as saucers too. The whole time she was a good student. She listened to you carefully and you came up with some really creative ways to start those horses. I remember you saying at the beginning, I'm not sure what I'm going to do exactly. I'm not even sure if they have a little any poles to jump over find some jumps in in mina north dakota it was amazing i couldn't (laughs) believe i found them (laughs) she's in a great i mean i'm gonna give a little uh you know a secret shout out here for a uni lesson coming up because we've got to do that with you teaching well whether it's an off the track thoroughbred or any brand new horse that some little 12 year old has wanted to start over jumps and how you did that so in so much kindness and fairness to the horse and just repetitive and, but stimulating and then reward, 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 you know, all the, the letting off the pressure too after they did just the tiniest little thing. It was really good, Jamie. Thank you. I, I know you hadn't seen that type of thing because we don't do that at flag is up, but that's how I restart uh, or start all of my horses, my two Mustangs, my, you know, you teach them to want to do it. If you can teach your horse to want to do something, you're going to have much better results than if you force them to do something. And so by doing this, this way you just start with one pole and then two poles and walking over it and relaxing and everything has to stay really relaxed. And then you've got a horse who amazingly enough enjoys jumping and wants to do it as opposed to, you know what? He stopped, hit him. <laughs> like I've had trainers do that with, with, with me before in lessons when I was younger and I didn't know any better. And, and so to, to, to encourage the whole secret is just encouraging the horse to want to do whatever it is you're asking in any, in, in, in any situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, same for people, I think too, you know, it's not that yeah. big of a stretch if people would actually think about it, you know, to be fair to the horse and, and encouraging too. And, but I think you do a really good job with your timing and that does take, that is 70 plus horses in 2020 <laughs> that, you know, just how, how much you can ask and when to say thank you. So I love that about you too. Uh, so it's fun. You, you did your expo now, guess what? Time to turn around and come back out here for the movement. Getting back on a plane, baby. So my my flight home was canceled the night before. <gasps> yeah. So I didn't actually get home till the next day, Debbie. So you oh, had your geez. issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I got I'm home sorry. at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning the next morning. No. Yeah, I was. So it was crazy. It was, you know, uh, stressful. And I'm like, hey, let's get on another plane and go yeah. across it. But I'm going to fly American Airlines this time. I'm a little man. better okay. off. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. 
Her husband flies for American, so that's a good idea. I'm I'm going home again. It turns out American doesn't fly into my not North Dakota, but uh, you know, whatever. So yeah, I'm back to American and going to get there. And yeah, exactly. So um, that's my plan. And and I think it's going to be awesome to get out there and, and hang out with your dad again. And, and these people that have this, the, the, the people that are coming to the movement, I, I'm assuming have a thirst, you know, that kind of thirst you want that you will impart something on them and they're going to soak it in like a sponge. And, it, you know, every time I've been to the movement, it's been just an amazing experience and the transformations of just the, the spectators and then the horses and then me, you know, to, to exercise that muscle of mine that, that likes to teach and talk. And I, it, it, I'm super excited. Oh, it was so good. Do you remember last year when we did the movement live streaming mm-hmm. and you did that beautiful Cromillo stallion? And mm-hmm. dad was coaching you through the coming in the mounting block, which you can do in your sleep, I know. But uh, to find out later that the queen was watching. Was yeah, cool, right? <laughs> that was really, this is before the letter and um, the letter from yes. Her Majesty. And, and so, yeah, a- afterwards, I think you called me and you said, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the queen would like all of her horses taught to come to the mounting block. And I was like, wait a second. How does she know about that? Ah. Oh, she was watching the movement online. I'm like, what? <laughs> like that's insane. I know. And your backside too. That's the worst part, probably, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good video of Monty, my rear end, but that's fine. No, it was really, really fun. And this year we've got some horses for you. We've got big Ralphs, you know, the ones that grow up on the mountains over here in San Diego. They grow them big. They've got like, so I don't know, they've got some, I think I have some Clyde in a couple of them there. Oh, yeah, and they're big boys and girls. And then we've got some mine horses coming from New Mexico. The right horses sent out to us, three of them. They landed here about 36 hours ago so they're just getting they're just getting their sea lakes and uh we're going to have the transition horses of course you know the ones that are coming from the right horse adoption partners that are mostly ottbs too so it'll be fun we got a three ring circus plan for you yeah there's going to be horse training in every corner of the of the entire farm so um if you guys like horses and you like horse training and you want to see the non-violent ways that we do things then come to the movement. What are you doing? I mean, let's do it. It's just going to be like constant horses to watch being gentled and being restarted and being put over fences. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. See you soon. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in the The magic in the language of the And this week we have Ada Gates back for a training tip. Welcome back, Ada. We're so lucky to have you here for um, our tips on horsemanship radio. We'd love to hear more about some of the experience that you've had with the measuring of the hoof and some of the, the, the ways that you do that. Well, thank you, Debbie. I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. And um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but I can repeat it again, the, my goal and I think the goal for any farrier is that the hoof is trimmed so that 50% of the foot is in front of it, the center and 50% is behind. So it's a perfect seesaw, a perfect fulcrum, a perfect 
balanced uh, point of articulation. And there's we have the patent hoof ruler, which is on Monty's website, so and that has all the instructions and reasons for doing this. But the one thing that sort of confirms that 50-50 is perfect is because the golden mean or pie perfectly applies to this balanced foot. And what I mean to say by that is if you apply the golden mean, which is um, 5,000 years of thought about perfect balance, you'll see it in paintings. The facade of the Parthenon is pie. Uh, from one knuckle to another knuckle on your hand is pie. Mm. The universe is in perfect balance, and the Greeks discovered that, and the foot is in perfect balance. So when you have 50-50 front and back, you have pie, and you can measure that, that the tip of the frog to the front of the toe and from the coronet down to the front of the toe is pie. Interesting. So it's a confirmation that the 50-50 works. That's amazing. Yeah, 5,000 years of thought is not wrong. Couldn't be. No. That's amazing. How many people... Is this something you learned when you were going to school for farrier work or no? Oh, God, no. I I learned it too late. (laughs) I learned how to balance the foot from the great Harry Patton, but I didn't know what I was doing. Uh I just learned it because he trained me. But... Uh When I started measuring feet and I applied pie to it, I, I, it confirmed everything in my okay. in my thirty five years of experience. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, if people go on your website, harrypatton dot com, can they learn a little bit more? Do you recommend farriers? What What do they find there? Well, they'll they they'll whether they go to your website or my website, they will find the ruler. I don't have too much information other than that what it does. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should add that to the website, but but basically it's all in the kit. The kit's thirty five dollars. I mean, I'm not here to sell anything, but the the mm-hmm. kit really sort of tells you everything. I see. So so people who find HarryPatton.com, I know you sell farrier tools and equipment to the to the thoroughbred trainers, and and uh, you're near the racetrack there too. Um, no, I sell to all horseshoers. All horseshoers. I have more horseshoers that shoe regular horses on the outside than I do. I cover all farriers. We sell okay. all farriers who do all disciplines. That's great. Uh, so uh, do you mentor any any kids coming up now, Ada? Well, I do oh. go out and tell the boys what to do. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. And oddly enough, they listen. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, well, they couldn't, always, couldn't resist you. I'm always good. available to help anybody. Good. That's wonderful. You're a you're a great you're a great horseman, a great farrier, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Debbie. God bless. Thank I you. appreciate you all too. Thank you. Thank you, Ada Gates. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. 
Cladcast is North America's most listened to horse show inspired podcast with over 200 episodes. Hosted by me, Piper Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse Magazine, listen in to hear guests which include Olympic equestrians, top hunter jumper and equitation riders, trainers, vets, farriers, horse show managers, and industry insiders discussing topics that matter horsemanship, collegiate riding, the state of our sport, and horse show how to's for riders at every level. One episode each month is devoted to the mental side of your ride with nationally recognized mental skills coach and author, Tanya Johnson. You will also hear insider stories about how the Plaid Horse Magazine comes together every month. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In July, we have the 12th through the 23rd, we have the long-form introductory course of horsemanship. So people come for two weeks. It can be a lot of fun. August 2nd through 13th, we have our Gently Wild Horse course, also in the long form, the 10 days. You really get to see the transformation from wild to willing. And then in August 16 through 20, we have Monty's special training. That's the one we film because it's just one horse after another, and we get to see Monty transform those horses too. And all of that and more can be found at MontyRoberts.com. You'll have his schedule You have a place to shop to buy Monty Roberts gear like long lines and Monty Roberts halters. And you can also call them at Flag is Up Farms, 805-688-6288, where you will speak to a quiet, calm, intelligent, helpful human being. Yep, that's true. (laughs) And for details about today's show, you can find all that and more at horsemanshipradio.com. This is episode number 187, so if you're listening to this show in 2025, you just type 187 at the top, and it'll bring you to the right one. You're going to find pictures and information about today's guests and topics. Don't forget to follow Monty Roberts on social media. Of course, there's a Facebook page, the official one, Monty Roberts, with a little blue checkmark. Monty is also on Twitter and Instagram. Is handled in both places. Is Monty underscore Roberts. And don't forget to get the app if you haven't done so already. Go to your app store for your iPhone iPhone or your Android and just search Horse Radio Network. Download today. It's free and easy to use. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. Hands-on gloves. We love them. They Thank you, Jade Michelson, for supporting what we do here to help horses. And MontyRobertsUniversity.com. Of course, that's how people get to know how to be a better horseman. And that's what Horsemanship Radio is all about. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. Oh, 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 oh,